I want to take a break from our series, um, Jesus Centered and Spirit Filled. I say I'm taking a break because we're going to get, we're going to be back to that. We're going to talk about that. In fact, we're not going to ever, ever, ever stop being a Jesus Centered, Spirit Filled church. That's just who we are. Jesus Centered, Spirit Filled. But um, I, I wanted to take just a couple weeks here in November to talk to you uh, about a series um, that is throughout the book of Acts. In fact, I know I keep stopping at Acts chapter 2, but you can't go, you can't get into Acts chapter 2 very far before you begin to see the very thing we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. Generosity. They were generous with one another. You go to Acts chapter 4, you see the exact same thing. Go all the way to the end of the book of Acts when the apostle Paul is going out on these missionary journeys. What's funding those? We'll talk about this more in a second, but I'll tell you, it's the local church in their generosity, giving generous. And so in this series, I, I'm going to talk to you about your personal finances. What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say about anything I do with my personal finances, the way I handle money and the way I handle my stuff? Does the Bible have anything to say about that? Absolutely. But today, I want to talk to you about the first step, the first thing. Um, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself here, but can I just, I know sometimes people get a little nervous when the pastor starts talking about money. You guys are a little nervous, but can I just, I just want to point something out. In the NIV version of the, uh, of the Bible, uh, over 500 times, Scripture says something to the, uh, to the tune of prayer. The importance of prayer, they prayed, something like that. Prayer, 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 prayer. Okay. You, you go to the next, the next step. Um, uh, over 500 times, not just prayer, but over 500 times, faith. Having faith, people living out their faith, pointing to faith. 500 times in the NIV version. Do you know over 2,000 times the Bible talks about money and stuff and your stuff and how you handle stuff? And this is really, really, really important. Before you, you sign off, before you sign off, let me just encourage you with something. I really believe if you tune in to what God's word says about our finances and about our stuff and the way we handle our stuff over the next few weeks. I'm just, the next few weeks, we could see marriages healed. We could see families restored, unified. I, I really believe this. I believe God can and will do miracles these next few weeks if we commit ourselves to aligning our finances with the word of God. Now, that I got you all nervous and excited, um, often people, uh, when, they, when the pastor talks about money, they, see, they get a little squeamish even because they think, oh, the church must be hurting. Well, can I just encourage you, um, this looks to be a, a, a banner year financially for the church, general fund, as well as what I get excited about just as much as is giving it away. And we'll talk more about that later. But in our missions fund, you guys have just completely knocked it out of the park uh, for the Lord. I, I'm so excited to see. This church is already has a culture of generosity. Why? Because God was a generous God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's, he's a generous God. And so we're just being like our heavenly father when we're generous. And so we want to talk about that, uh, continue to have this vision for generosity. And one thing that I, I just I want to kick off with is the reason why this is so important is because where my money is, where my treasure is, is, is that's where my heart is. 
giving and money and the way we handle it and our stuff, it really has to do with a heart. It's a heart issue. And as you think about this, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Don't store up for yourselves uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, sometimes we think, well, I, I really think a lot of that or this or these or those, so I'm going to put some money there. Is that what the Bible's saying? I mean, just, just look at it. The Bible's really saying, for where your treasure is, where my money is, where my time, my talent, my treasure, where I put that, my heart follows. We'll dive in that maybe more next week, but I, I just want to encourage you, money and giving and your stuff is a heart issue. So I, I'd encourage you, grab the notes in the chair in front of you, grab those, grab a pen, and just so you can kind of keep track of what we're talking about here, get ready to fill in a couple blanks. I want to talk to you about the main goal, main thought of our message today, is a heart touched by God is generous and starts with the giving of the tithes to fuel his church. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I worked for about a half hour to an hour on a message I'm going to share with you in a couple weeks. But I, I worked for a while, and I, I was just, I couldn't get rolling, I had all these thoughts, that I just, just, because I wanted to talk to you very first thing about, this is what the Bible would say about how you and I, biblical principles on how we handle our money. Just biblical principles overall. I, that's, where my, that's where I wanted to go first. But I couldn't. It wasn't until I made this decision. Okay, we're going to go to the tithe first. We're going to talk about the tithe first. Why? Because that is the first place of any believer's worship giving. Generous giving. It starts with the tithe to fuel his church. If you don't put God first in your finances, things are already out of order. If you don't give, put giving and worshiping God with that tithe first, then things are already out of order. Any kind of wisdom and how a believer, a Christian, handles their money has to start with putting the tithe first. What's a tithe? Well, let me teach about it for a couple minutes. Then I don't know if you noticed, there's two tables on the stage. <laughs> Have you wondered what those are for? Oh, you're going to find out, all right. We're going to get there. But before we do, let me talk about this. Would you turn with me to the Italian prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi? <laughs> Just joking. It's Malachi. He's not Italian. But it's the last book in the Old Testament. Say, Scott, where's Malachi? It's the last book in the Old Testament, right before the New Testament. It's the last one they threw in there. And I want to give you a little background on what's going on here in Malachi. God was speaking to his people, Israel, Judah, through the, the priestly prophet Malachi. The problem was the priests had become corrupt. So those that were supposed to be spiritually leading things were corrupt. They weren't leading spiritually the way they should. And the, the problem was uh, they weren't doing the ordinary thing, the ordinances of the church, the, the ordinances of the temple and the, and the, the priesthood and the Levitical, all of that. They weren't doing it right. And so, for instance, they weren't bringing the tithes and offerings. Um, they, they were divorcing left and right. The men were divorcing their Hebrew wives or Israelite wives to marry younger and prettier pagan women. Hmm. So God was using Malachi to confront this and say, come on, we got to do something about this. You know, as you study the Old Testament, you'll see that 
They, there was a lot of times where they just got hard-hearted, hard-headed, and they went off and did their own stuff. And God raised up a prophet to say, no, 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 come on. Let's get back to godliness. Let's get back to righteousness. And that's exactly where we see this. Now, can we jump in, in the, in the um, scriptures there, Aaron, to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Let's read. Follow along. I'm going to go to verse 6. So, so here's, here's what, what um, uh, God's saying through Malachi. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Notice what he says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room enough for it. Okay, let's stop right there. There was a two-way test going on here. God was like, I'm going to do a test for you, and I'm going to figure it out. Well, no, first God says, test me. Just bring the tithes in your offerings. Bring those tithes and give them, present them, bring them, and just see. Just see if I won't be true to my word. Just see if I won't take care of all of your need. Just see if I won't take care and bless you because of your faithful bringing of the time. You just test me on this. The other test was for them, for the people. Hey, I'm testing you. Would you just bring your tithe? Bring your offerings? Bring, there's just two tests going on here. Because here's the deal. A heart touched by God is generous and starts with the tithe to fuel his church. Let's keep going on this. God's like, I want to see... If you really believe that I can do more with the 90% left over than the 100% that you'll keep. Think about that. Now, the tithe literally means a tenth. So where, where does this tithe go? What am I supposed to do with my tithe? Can I just take my tithe and give it to a missionary? I mean, I love this missionary. Boy, they're doing that. and They learned the, the click language. I don't know how they speak in that click language. Like, I mean, they're in that tribe, and they just click away, and I don't know. You know, that's really a language, don't you? I mean, they, they, they learned Spanish. They learned German. They learned French. They learned whatever. I can't believe, and I just, every time they come through, my heart just, oh, they're taking care of orphans, or they're, they're, they're getting people out of the sex slave industry, or they're just, oh, it gets a hold of my They're planting churches left and right. It's crazy. It's amazing. I just, can I give my tithe to a missionary? That's not where your tithe was meant to be. Can, can I give my tithe just to the, the, the local, local place? Can I, can I just take my tithe and get cash and just go downtown Middlebury in the, in the, in the great metropolis and just like, just like throw it up in the air and let one of those fall winds blow it this way and blow it that way? Now, the Bible's clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that your tithe, we are to bring, in the Old Testament, it was to the temple, it was, it was to, um, to the, the priesthood, and we'll get that, to that in a second, and it translated in the, in the New Testament, it's to the local church. Where do you get that from, Scott? Well, let's just look at Scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 31. Does anyone remember what we talked about in January of this year? We talked about King Hezekiah. Do you remember that? That was a long time ago. 
And our memories are struggling, right? But if you go all the way back to January, what did we start the year off? We talked about how King Hezekiah wasn't like his dad, Ahaz. King Hezekiah was a man of God, man of God's own heart, and, and uh, a man in the line of David. And, and, and so he opened up the gates, remember that, of the temple? And he cleansed and purified it, and worship came back. It was awesome. Let's catch up. In 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 2, Hezekiah assigned the priests and the Levites to divisions, each of them according to their duties of priest or as priests or Levites, to offer burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, to minister, to give thanks, and sing praises at the gates of the Lord's dwelling. The king contributed from his own possessions for the morning and evening burnt offerings, for the burnt offerings on the Sabbath, new moons, appointed feasts, as written in the law of the Lord. He ordered the people living Jews to bring the portion due to the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. He's saying, bring your tithes, bring your offerings. Why? So those who are in charge of the worship, those who are given the leadership of the temple and the directive of the temple so that the, they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. What reason was given for God's people to bring the tithes in the Old Testament? Did you catch that? The priests to be able to devote themselves to the word of God. I want to be very clear. Your tithe is not about a money-grubbing pastor. Your, your tithe is, is, is um, your worship. Here at your local church, the local expression of Christ's body, your worship of the Lord. I'm not in com commission sales here. The elders aren't like, hey, way to go, Scott. Notice those offerings are up. <laughs> Bring in the cheddar. Come on. Going to just have a little bit. just like, what? no, 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 no. The elders of our church set all of our salaries as a staff. And, and, and just, just know that. This isn't, this isn't anything about a pastor wanting more money. It's what the Old Testament and the New Testament teaches. In fact, let me just share this with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, from the preaching of the gospel. First Timothy 5, 17 through 18. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's trading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. I've been called a lot of things. I'm not sure an ox is the best thing, but if you study that in its context, you'll see this is talking about payment of a pastor. I think the majority of you in this room probably don't have a problem with, with the pastor being paid, the pastor being um, compensated for the time he puts into to leading and, and ministering. And, um, but I, I just felt like I needed to push this just a little bit in a different way than I've ever, when I've shared this. I just, I just want to clarify something. It's true that the Apostle Paul supported himself as he ministered in Corinth as a tent maker. In fact, you see 1 Corinthians 9, 12. If, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we didn't use this right. He's saying others have this right. This is the right way of doing things. But for us, we didn't use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Jesus. He drew no salary from the Corinthians, but he made it clear that he did this as a voluntary sacrifice on their behalf. 1 Corinthians 9, 18, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge that you may make use of my rights in preaching it. Paul did take wages later on uh, from the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 8. His arrangement in Corinth was the exception, not the rule. Why do I say this? Well, how are we supposed to underwrite um, the ministry of the local church? What is it supposed to look like? And I know you're like, it's a little awkward because I don't know if you noticed, I am one. 
So, you know, it's a little awkward, but I, I want to go there because this isn't just about the local church. This is about our hearts getting in line with what the Lord would have for us with our finances. But how do we, how do we take care of the pastors then? How do we help um, uh, pay for their salaries and those type of things so they can help lead the ministries of the church and, and the, the worship of God through this local church? Um, here it is. We have car washes. We have, we have bake sales. We have spaghetti dinners. And uh, we sell Little Caesars pizza coupons. No. Isn't it interesting that even in the Old Testament, the idea of the tithe carries on into the New Testament. And God said, listen, if everybody in the house would do the exact same thing, not equal sacrifice, excuse me, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So that means if you're making $50 a week, you give 10%. If you're making $5,000 a week, you give 10%. If you're making... Hundred dollars, you get it. All of us, we if and God says, if my people will do that, then that will fund and take care of the needs of the local church. A heart touched by God is generous and starts that giving with the with the tithe to fuel His church. It's regular, proportionate giving for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And God says, test me in this. That's what I want you to get here. In fact, if you haven't filled it in, I think that's the first, that's the first empty thing. Number one, test me in this. Test me in this. God says, test me, test me, test me. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. He said, just see. And, and I can tell you from my own testimony and the testimonies of hundreds in this church today that God is real and this is true. If you take the, I know it's not easy when you start. I know it's a huge leap. It's a huge leap when you're like, oh, what? Like, my encouragement to you is the very first check you write is write that 10% and say, God, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to worship you with this, and I'm going to trust you to take care of the rest. And you watch, you watch. God will show himself real as you put him first in your finances and worship him with that tithe. Let's go to the second thing. Ready for this? Tithing is biblical. Tithing didn't originate as part of the Old Testament law, and I know there may be some of you in here, you're already thinking, oh, Scott, I can't believe of all the people that you're, you're caught up in this whole. No, tithing is, it did not originate as part of the Old Testament law. How can you say that, Scott? Because tithing began 400 years before the law when we see Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 offered tithes of all. Now, we're not necessarily going to go there, but in fact, tithing may go back even earlier as Abel may have been the first tither because he offered the first fruits to the Lord. Then, of course, tithing was, was part of the Old Testament law. Where do you see that? Well, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Let's just look. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Ooh. I underline that in my notes. It is holy to the Lord. I just encourage you with something. That tithe, it, it's not even mine to give. It's mine to bring. It's mine to bring. You can't give your tithe. You can really only bring it to the Lord. And you bring that 10%. You worship him with that tithe. It's holy. It's set apart. It's a, God says, just bring that 10% and, and, and worship me with it. Tithing was practiced before the law. We see that with Abraham. During the law, what's the law? Remember when Moses and God had this big conversation called the Ten Commandments and, and all these other laws, and we read about them, studied them in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy Numbers. 
all that in there. So in, that, in the law, it's part of that. But then sometimes people get tripped up because there's no, Scott, I don't see tithing anywhere in the New Testament. Well, let me show you something. First notice this, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. This is New Testament. Jesus says, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Amen. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be any means, well, by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So some people say, well, Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. I'm not under the law, I'm under grace, pastor. It'd be like someone says, you know what, um, uh, the Ten Commandments, the whole lying thing, I'm going to go out and lie. I'm going to lie every day this week. You know why? I'm under grace. I can get forgiveness. Well... There's principles throughout Scripture. There's the moral law and the, also the principles that we carry out with all the other laws. Let me just dive a little deeper into this. Let me encourage you with another question. If Jesus said you ought to tithe, if like in the red letters of your Bible it said, you know, you ought to tithe all of you, would you do it? Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Let's look at this. Woe to you. He's laying into these teachers, these Pharisees, religious elite. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. The whole tithing of your stuff, you should have practiced that without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Oh, the pictures Jesus paints with his words. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? You guys tithe all that stuff. That's a waste of time now. I came and fulfilled the law, so you don't have to tithe anymore. That's, you're, just, you're free from that. Would have been the perfect spot for him to say that, but in fact, he did quite the opposite. He affirmed the tithe. If that was the only verse in the Bible on tithing, I would tithe. If there was no other verse in the whole Bible but that one verse, I would tithe. As you look, I'm not even going to take time to read the whole passage, but in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, um, verse 1, um, talking about Abraham's tithe. And even in verse 2, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So this is, look at that verse 2. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is, you can read it later, but just talking about Abraham's tithe. Here would be an awesome time for the writer of Hebrews, whoever that may be, it's up for debate. But it would have been an awesome time to say, and you know that Abraham, he worshiped the Lord with his tithe. Let me tell you something. Here's a good idea. You don't have to do that anymore. Kind of like, um, say, um, the whole uh, idea of different foods. Like in the law, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't eat certain foods and whatever, and today you can go home, enjoy yourself a pork chop. Oh. In fact, I think I might just do that. The leftover Texas Roadhouse from the gift card you gave us a couple weeks ago, got myself two pork chops last night, brought one home. One extra one, I should say. I'm having that for lunch today. I'm eating myself some pork, some shrimp. I, I don't have any shrimp, but I would if I had it. Why? Because all the food laws of the old Jesus, the, the, the New Testament's very clear. I mean, read the book of Acts and you'll see we're free to eat. Eat, eat, come on, eat. Don't you think that if tithing, if it was one of those things, or let's say throughout circumcision, I mean, it's pretty clear. Old Testament, 
You need to be circumcised. New Testament, not an issue, right? Old Testament, you need to tithe. New Testament, why didn't they come right out and say, hey, listen, if it wasn't an ordinary thought of, of pattern why didn't they come out? No, in fact, Jesus affirmed it. Hebrews had every opportunity to say, you don't need to do this anymore, but it's not there. Whew. Jesus never lowered the standard of the tithe. In fact, he affirmed it. And so my encouragement to you today is let's, let's affirm it with our lives. Let's do it. Let's practice it. And I know for some of you, this may be the first time you've ever heard a message completely about tithing. And I, uh, and, and I just want to encourage you, just like everything I preach on Sunday mornings, line this up with Scripture. Everything I'm saying, just line it up, study it for yourself. And if it, it, the Bible says it, let's do it. If the Bible says it, let's do it. That's the way we are as a church. We don't debate it. We don't think about it. But if the Bible's clear on it, then let's, let's go for it. So let's go to the third, third point I want to make. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Now, now, this is where, where some of you are going to get a little even more uncomfortable, but let's just go there. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Let's read this again. So there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will, it will um, not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will, you vine, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I understand the background of uh, people who have misused this. For instance, if you'll send me $1,000, I'll send you the prayer cloth and the anointing oil from Israel itself, and the Lord will bless you a thousand times over, you know? The next day, I have a word of the Lord. Send me five thousand dollars. I mean, and the next day, send me ten thousand dollars. I mean, if you, we all know there are people that have abused this idea. But saints, church, you got to hear me. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here, because when we bring our tithes and we give of our offerings, you can't help but to see the blessing of God is there. God blesses when we are following and lining our lives up, be it our relationships, our marriage, our family, our futures, and we just present them to him. We put God first in all these, our finances. God can't help but to bless and take care of your needs when you line your life up with the word of God. And here, here's what he says. Um, there's going to be food in your house. Okay, what did, what did that mean for them in, in the context of Malachi chapter 3? That, that God would provide uh, food for, for their house, for their temple, for, those, for the temple worship, and for the priests, and for the Levites. And he'd take care of that. He would supply for their house. For us, what does that mean for us? Well, that means that when we bring the tithe, of course, God's going to supply for this church. And, and God has, and he continues to do that through our gifts of tithe. It says the windows of heaven are going to be opened up, pour out so much, so much blessing you can't contain it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 in the New Testament um, points to this. Wait, wait, let, me, let me stop for just a second. In Malachi 3, what did that mean for them? That meant that literally there was a covenant that God was going to bless them over and above. Just 
Let me tell you what, what 2 Corinthians, we're going to talk about this more next week. Chapter 9 says this. Bring the, oh, not that. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, I believe it is. You got, oh, you don't have that on there. My bad. Let me read it for you. Uh, 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 through 11. Now, he who supplies seed, just listen to this. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Enlarge the harvest. I bring my seed, I bring my tithe, I bring my offerings, and he's going to enlarge the harvest of our righteousness. You'll be made rich. Oh, that sounds like TBN. Hold on. Christian television right there. No, no, that's the word of God. You'll be made rich in every way, not just financially, but my bringing of the tithe, my worship of God through the tithe and the offerings is going gonna, is gonna to touch every area of my life so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity result in thanksgiving to God. When, when we bring the tithes and the offerings, there's a, there's a generosity that God says, I'll bless that. I'll take care of those needs. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9 says it this way. In, in the context of giving... You look at it, Philippians chapter 4, you can read it later, but, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When we bring the tithe and we bring our offerings, we, we take care of that, God says, I'm going to meet your every need, your every need. Now that may mean that you don't get the brand new Escalade or you don't get every toy in the world, but the fact that God says, I will supply for all your needs. And I think this blessing even covers that third and the fourth thing. It says, rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Um, the application here in Malachi specifically is their crops were being eaten by bugs and other things. Think of it like a, a spiritual pesticide. <laughs> God says, I'll be the spiritual pesticide. I'll take care of that. And literally the devourer that's devouring your crops, I'm going to bless. If you, if you get your heart back right with mine, align your giving, align your worship back with me. Repent of your sins, and part of that is coming back and bringing the tithes and the offerings. Um, all the nations will call you blessed. Obviously, all the other nations are going to see God's blessing on them and say, what are you doing to get this? You're blessed. That's what, what for them. For us in the New Testament, what is rebuke the devourer for your sakes and all the nations call you blessed? I haven't got that completely figured out. But I do know this, is that in, in 2 Corinthians, those pass, that passage of Scripture, chapter 9, that we're going to talk about, I think covers all of this. This is what I want you to get. Know that the tithe is a blessing. Being generous is a blessing. Every, every, um, we don't need to be careful. Uh, excuse me. There's a blessing that comes with being generous, and it's not just the health and wealth gospel thing. It's straight-up Bible. It's Scripture Let's practice it, let's do it, and let's worship the Lord with it. Let me tell you about um, some testimonies of tithers and non-tithers. The testimony of a tither is this. I'm just blessed. God takes care of all my needs. God continues to meet. Testimonies of non-tithers. I can't afford to tithe. You'll never be able to afford to tithe until you just do it. It's a practical thought. You know what I do? Every Monday... Our, 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 uh, how many get paid once a week? How many get paid twice a month? Type every other week type thing. How many get paid once a month? Yeah, you know, I'm not writing down names here. But <laughs> well, I'm gonna check up on them. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that. 
But listen, no matter what it looks like, this would be my encouragement to you, is the moment you get paid, let that first check that goes out be a check for your worship to the Lord. Put him first in your giving. Worship him with your tithes and your offerings. So literally, the very at that money comes into my account on Mondays, and uh, Megan and I's account, and it goes right out. The tithe, the offerings checks, goes com- right, right out the same time on Monday. Boom, it's like clockwork. Worship the Lord in this way. Bring the tithe. Scott, I just need one more thing. Can you just help me to understand what does the tithe look? Well, I want my helpers to come as we conclude with this illustration. Because I want you to understand with me, what does it look like to bring the tithe? And what is this 10% thing? And I want to I share with you, if you could just imagine with me, that this table over here, ready for this? Um, this table, right? in fact, I'm going to take these, this down because I want those of you in the front row to see it. Okay, there we go. All right. Whoa. Oh, Lord. Okay. This table, right, come on out, come on out, come on. This is our table. What we get to keep, this is God's. Okay, so what do we got here? We got a, what's this? Butternut squash. Um, What would you do with this? I have no idea. But all the butternut squashes go over here. This one, just one out of all ten of those goes to God. What else you got there? A cucumber. Who wouldn't want a cucumber? Me. But if... (laughs) We've got 10 cucumbers, 10 butternut squashes. Do you know how many go on our table? Nine. Do you know how many God says? Just give me one. Just give me one. All right, let's keep going here. What do you got here? An onion. Oh, an onion. You throw these. What, how many? Do, okay, we have 10 onions. So how many onions do we get to keep? We get to keep nine. How many do we give to God? God says, I just want one onion. Okay, there you go, Lord. I'll give you some breath mints. How's that? This Maltoids, there we go, okay. A bowl. If God gave you a bowl, what would you do with this bowl? What would you do? Well, if God gave you 10 bowls, you know what God would say? You can have nine of those bowls. And then you just take, God, you just, all you need is just one bowl right there. What do you got now? Orange? I thought you were going to throw it to me. Okay, so you got this orange. If you had, come on, keep it coming. If you had, if you had 10 oranges, if God said, I'm going to, here's 10 oranges. God says, all I ask for is just one orange, just one orange. The rest of them all go over there. And a pineapple. Hey, thank you, Jeremiah. If, you had a, if God gave you 10 pineapples, how many pineapples would he say? You know what, I need, uh, I, I, you keep nine of those. God says, I'll just take one pineapple right there. What do we got here? Grapefruit? That's kind of a small, small, I think it's a grapefruit. Anyhow, that's what, that's what the thing said when I bought it. But if God gave you... <laughs> If God gave you 10 grapefruit, what would he say? Nine, you get to keep, but um, just give me, just give me one. The Lord says, ooh, bushes, original baked beans. These are my favorite. These, these, I like these with my hamburgers. If God gave you 10 cans of bushes baked beans, he'd let you keep nine. He says, just give me just one of those, just one. Okay, Spaghetti, all right. God says, if, oh, we're bringing them right now. If you've got 10, God says, I'm gonna bless you with 10 boxes of spaghetti. He said, you keep nine, I'll take one. All right, okay. And then the original, Megan, did you see that? The original ragu, traditional sauce. You see that? Okay, all right. This is the real stuff, ragu. This is, this is the real stuff. My mom used this, so that's how real it is. She wasn't Italian, but... If God said, 
I'll give you 10 ragu traditionals, then just give me one, God says, and then, and then, okay. Now, Pringles, what if you had 10? Woo, original, none of this barbecue, anything. Uh, originals, if God said, I'll give you 10 Pringles, then I'm getting tired already. But God just, he's blessing so much, I'm getting wore out. And now, I want you to notice, magic treasures. God likes a good deal, too, because God said... <laughs> I'm going to give you 10, 10, they're magically delicious. Um, this is great value. So God wasn't into all these, but was in great value. said, you just, just give me one. Just give me one. God says, I'll keep the rest. I lived on this next item when I was in college. Ramen noodles, chicken, chicken flavored. Um, just that's where this came from. But here, here it is. God says, I'm going to give you 10 ramen noodles. You just, uh, just give me one. Just keep that. And now fuzzy pillows. Who doesn't need a fuzzy pillow every once in a while, huh? God says, I'm going to give you 10 fuzzy pillows. 10 fuzzy pillows. And God says, you can just keep nine of those fuzzy pillows. How many pillows does God need? I think you're getting this. Okay, so there's one fuzzy pillow. God says, I'll just take one. And then, oh, a camping chair. God says, I'm going to give you 10 camping chairs. And God says, I, you guys just keep nine of them. I'm just going to take one of them. I'm trying to think of what could be left that the Lord is going to bless us. And um, is there anything else that's in here? Just trying to keep it. We've still got some fuzzy pillows. The Lord's still blessing with those. Thank you, guys. Um, we've got some. Can, oh, God says, whoopie pies. God says, I'm going to give you 10 whoopie pies. And, and you, he says, Scott, you can keep all nine of those. One whoopie pie, though, belongs to the Lord. What's that, Lord? Oh, he said he wants three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> no, I was just joking. Can you give my helpers a hand? Didn't they do great? Thanks, guys. Now, you, we've been making kind of laughter here, but, but do, do you see here what we're talking about? You see, do you see what God, when you really look at it this way, this is, this is 90% left over. And God says, all I'm asking at this point, I'm just, just bring 10%, the tithe. Just bring 10%, worship me with that. So where do I go with this? Can I just encourage you, right here, right now, um, we just take a step of faith. And say, God, I'm going to do what the Word of God says. And if you say to test you on this, I'm going to test you. And I encourage you, between now and the end of the year, why don't you do it? Wait a minute. i got Christmas coming up, Scott. Well, here's the deal. Between now and the end of the year, would you just test the Lord on this? And just bring the tithe. You know, Megan and I, we've been doing this our whole lives. I remember watching my parents. Parents, listen, your kids are watching. Let them know about your tithes and offerings. Talk to them about it. Make sure they understand. This is how we worship the Lord with our giving. I remember watching my parents drop the envelope and the thing as it went by. I remember seeing that. When Megan and I, right before my senior year of college, we got married. And so she, is it my sugar mama? What's, is that what it's called? I don't know. She worked. Is that a good word? I don't know. Jeremy, is that okay? Jeremy's kind of my slang guy. I got to, but we got married right before my senior year of college, Okay. And so she stepped out 
and so that I could finish that last year of college. I made all of about five, five twenty-five an hour at the bookstore at, at the college. She made a whopping seven twenty-five, which is a good wage back then. Seven twenty-five an hour. We lived off of that for a year. I don't know how, but we did. And I'll tell you how. It's because we put God first. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying this works. The Bible works. Scripture works. Now, you, you can choose to say, well, I, I'm offended or I don't like this, whatever. But I'm just telling you, if, if you can get a hold of this and you can live this out, it will affect every area of your life. I promise you. Give your st- put your stuff. God, everything I have is yours. He's number one. Give it to him. Would you stand as we, as we pray together? So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the promise of your word. God, as I look at these tables, I just think about how much you only ask for that 10%, and then we see everything else. God, everything on this stage represents stuff that's holy. I mean, what we do with the 90% is just as, as important as what we do with that 10 but... For a believer, different than the way the world might give, people who aren't saved, different than the way they might give, as a believer in Jesus Christ, our giving, our our generous spirit, our generous heart, it starts with the tithe. Bringing that tithe to the local church to worship you with. And so God, I just pray for people all over this room. There are a ton of people here who've already caught this revelation of scripture and they're already doing it, they're bringing it. And God, I pray you would open up the floodgates. I pray blessing would be upon them. I pray salvation of their children. I pray, God, we don't give to get. We don't give to get. But at the same time, we know that as we give, your blessing can't help but to follow. And so, Lord, I pray in every area of their life, they would be blessed. And Lord, for those that are here today that, man, they struggle with this. They've tithed for a month, but then they stop. They tithe for six months, then they stop. Or maybe they've never tithed at all. Guys, pray today. Would you give them faith? And if they're married, give them faith as a couple, both of them, to step up and say, you know, I know this is new, but I see it in the Bible, so let's test God in this. And let's watch and see how God, how you provide and you, you make your word not only known, but you, you affirm your word. God, bless every every person in this room, God, that takes a step to be obedient to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen.